G'day Groovy Humans and welcome to A Groovy Enlightened Life. Today on the show we have Murray Guest. Murray is one of Australia's leading strengths coaches and he has helped thousands of people unlock and apply their strengths to achieve their professional and personal goals. Today we talk about strengths and we talk about how discovering our strengths and uncovering them helps us to live in alignment to our true selves and live a life to our highest potential. And we also delve into a personal story that Murray shares about his recovery from a broken neck. And we talk about mental health and support for people after having traumatic experiences and suffering from PTSD. I hope you can join us on the episode today. Sit back, relax, drink of your choice. Let's get cracking. Today on the show, we have a special guest, Murray Guest, in fact. Welcome to the show, Murray. Amaya, thanks so much for having me. Um, I love your podcast. I love what you're sharing out there on, in the world, and I'm looking forward to chatting today. Thanks for having me. Ah, thank you. So how about we start with you just share a little bit about yourself and what you do? So uh, I'm a strengths-based coach, and I say that because I'm passionate about strengths, but I'm also mindful that that doesn't blink in me. Um, and what I mean by that is that I work with a lots of different people around helping them understand their strengths, but I also like to draw on my experience from my corporate roles. I was in uh, corporate roles for about 25 years before starting my own business five years ago. And uh, I guess I'm lucky to have had lots of opportunities to invest in my own development. And through those lessons of um, that, that development, plus my own experiences, I love to share that with people I coach and run workshops for. So these days I spend my time coaching people in leadership roles and also running workshops, partnering with organizations, big and small. Um, In the type of work that I do, a lot of people say, you should niche, you should have a specific area, a specific industry you focus on. And I keep on coming back to, my niche is people that care about their people. So Mm. I work with a range of industries and um, for me, it's about you know leaders that really care about their people, want to support their people, create a culture where people can thrive through knowing their strengths. Um, but as I said at the start, I, I'm also mindful that strengths is a really powerful tool. Really, it's helped me a lot personally and helps people I work with. But at the same time, I also draw on those other things that I've learned and through stuffing up as a, as a human and as a manager and learning from those as well. Perfect. Perfect. So, you know, I've been in the corporate world as well. And, you know, there's, I guess, this popular belief that we need to look at our weaknesses and focus on improving them, um, especially in the workplace environments. They tend to, you know, do our performance reviews and say, hey, these are the areas you need to improve on. I guess, can you share your thoughts around around this and why you support, I guess, that strengths-based focus and approach to life? Yeah, um, so I found out my strengths through reading uh, Strengths Finder 2.0 and doing the assessment in 2012. And I loved and appreciated and connected with this idea of, of strengths and the framework at that point. Um, it was one of those moments where you read a book and, and then read the assessment, because prior to that, I would have done a range of assessments, you know, Myers-Briggs, DISC, LSI, um, Herman Brain's Dominant Index, Team Manager Profile, which is a, a very good tool, I think. But when I did strengths, it connected with me about this idea about focusing on strengths. And 
for me, it connected with not just from the corporate sense and the professional sense, but from a personal sense of um, my relationship with my ex-wife um, to how I was getting to trouble at school um, or I would connect with some people on a friend's perspective more than others. Um, to even as a manager, when, like you, would say, you said earlier, I would try to, when I was leading a team, I had a team of about nine people um, about um, seven, eight years ago. And I think at times I would try and make them all do what I thought they should do as per the job description, all the exact same way. Um, but guess what? They're all humans. They're all different. That's it. Yeah. And, um, and, and even that whole performance review process, which, you know, recent, you know, research coming out in the last few years from, from Gallup and other organizations is showing that there is definitely a move away from uh, a tick in the box performance review at the end of the year doesn't inspire people, doesn't connect with them, doesn't engage them um, to a ongoing conversation, to a coaching approach by managers. Yeah. Um, or a coach-like approach by managers and leaders. Um, I think the important part, and there is some negative perspective out there I've heard, and there's a few articles out there that I've read around, you know, strengths doesn't work because people do need to have some capability. So let's just say you're an operator in a role and you need some level of competency to perform that role and you are weak in some levels of competency. Let's say you drive a a 30-ton truck or you operate a piece of equipment in a factory or you might be a, an accountant in an accountancy firm. You need a level of competency and you might be weak in some parts of that competency. You need to develop that level of skill. Strengths as a perspective isn't about those weaknesses in your competency. It's about really the way that you show up and you're stronger in ways that you see the world, the way you approach people, the way that you execute, the way that you think. And strengths isn't about the work that you do. It's about how you do the work. Yeah. And I think, yes, we need to have a level of skill to do a job, but how we approach that work, whether that's as a team member or a leader, that's where the strengths-based approach can really help and understand. Um, quick story, I had a leader... Uh, I think it was about 18 months ago and we'd been through the strengths finder process the team had done their strengths. This uh, leader was high in analytical uh, strategic thinking uh, discipline. He took away their results and we had a follow-up meeting, which I have with many of my clients to see how things were going, what's working, what's not, how they're living and breathing this strengths approach. And he laid out for me their strengths grid, which shows where everyone's strengths in the team lie. He said, so Murray, here are their strengths. Now tell me what they should be doing. <laughs> and I said, I sort of, I went, okay. I pushed it back across the table, back to him. And I said, um, that's awesome what you've done. Thank you. I can see your strengths are showing right now. <laughs> However, that's your job. This is a, a framework to help you in the way you lead your team, the way you might delegate work differently the way that you might um, assign different elements of different roles and tasks to them. I'm not here to tell you what work to do. I'm actually here to help you bring that to the surface to then help you in the way that you approach those people. Mm. And I think that's, that's what strengths is about. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. It's not so much like you said that skill or that talent or that competency you need. Mm. Strength is actually not the mirror of that. It's actually you're talking about two different things in that space. Like the strengths, like you said, was more about your approach to how you go about stuff. Yeah, and I um, I love the work of Don Clifton. So Don Clifton invented Clifton Strengths Finder. Um, he invested over 50 years of research, um, talking to um, hundreds of thousands of, of people and tens of thousands of teams to get these um, 34 themes of talent, which lead to, to strength. But one of his most famous quotes, and he's got stacks out there, but it's a quote that I've come to lots of times is, what will happen when we focus on what's right with people rather than fixating on what's wrong with them? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, um, it's one of those things which I used to open and um, discuss at, a, at the start of workshops when I work with people around strengths. And then we start to talk about strengths. And I've actually changed my approach quite a bit in the last year where that actual quote, we've actually just dived deep on what does that really look like? What does that look like if we actually stop making people wrong and we start to really appreciate their perspective, what they bring, um, what's right about them, and not just in our teams and people we lead, but everyone that we come into contact with as, as people. So our, our partners, our spouses, our children, um, our friends, my mother-in-law, <laughs> <laughs> whoever it may be, because... And she, I love my mother-in-law, sorry, just to make sure that's clear. Um, (laughs) But start to appreciate what's right about them rather than fixating what's wrong because that's, that's again, a strengths-based mindset which Mm. changes the way that um, I think that we can get the best out of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it goes back to that that old saying, you know, we create what we focus on. So Mm. if we're always focused on our weaknesses, for some people, they could be still drowning in that, trying to improve and improve. But if you go and switch that mindset over to strengths, well, then they've got something they can, you know, really aspire to. And really, I guess it really, well, for me, when I did the test, it really hit me, hit home for me on who I was. It really delved into, oh, this is why these things happen for me. Yeah. And I, I love when I hear that from people, when they do this assessment, and they then look at the results and they get a renewed sense of um, self-confidence about who they are and how they see the world or how they show up, how their strengths have helped them in the past, but also hindered them, you know, absolutely. And got in their way. Yep. Um, I've helped thousands of people understand their strengths and what, stands out to me i'm a relator is my number one and talk about relationships yeah but what really stands out to me is those people that have said to me wow this now helps me understand who i am and people with tears in their eyes i've had people crying in a workshop saying i can see that this feedback i've got of a previous manager was just making me wrong when it's actually part of who i am and they were just seeing something in me that was weak yeah yet now they've started to see what makes them great. And when we start to see that in ourselves and we appreciate that in each other, it changes the environment, changes the, the way that we, 
we we get out of bed in the morning and we feel about ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. So can you share about, I guess, how discovering our strengths can help us live in alignment to, I guess, our true selves and live to our highest potential? Oh, love, 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 love the question. <laughs> <laughs> so two, two key points there, the true self, highest potential. So, well, knowing our strengths is knowing who we are. And um, the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment has 177 questions and it is very robust. And if you answer those questions honestly, you will get a report which gives you a, an understanding of how those strengths combine and show up for you and your dominant strengths, your dominant talents. And Maya, I'll tell you, I've, I've, out of all the people I've worked with, I've had only one or two that have said to me, oh, this one I don't quite agree, agree with right now. I had a manager say to me once, oh, Harmony, that's not me. I don't see how that shows up. <laughs> like it was a, 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 an immediate pushback. But a month later, I caught up with him. I said, oh, how are you going with your Harmony? He said, yeah, I, I can see how that shows up. <laughs> yeah. It just took a bit of time. Um, yeah. So when we talk about our true self, knowing who we are at our core. Our strengths and our talents, um, I believe, come from a mixture of nature and nurture and some of those formative uh, moments in our life which have helped shape who we are and um, how we then... Um, I like to think our dominant talents are basically who we are when we jump out of bed in the morning without even trying. And if we now know what they are and how we can be more aware of them and how they help us just be more of our, ourselves, we're going to be aligned with, as you said, that true self. Um, and how they can help us go through life and get into those moments of flow or those moments of creativity, those moments of contentment, those moments of joy. Um, I believe that our strengths are a cup inside of us and we need to fill up that cup to mm -hmm. be at our best. Yeah. And if you're not getting to live a life that's in line with your strengths and aligned with your values, you're not going to be your true self. Yeah. So A, find out your strengths, B, find out your values, and then where are you getting a chance to live and breathe those day in, day out? Then you can be your true self. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, some people find that they're in a role where they're not getting to use their strengths. So then have the conversation with your manager, have a conversation with other people that can provide those opportunities to use them or how you're getting to use them also in your home life and in that third space, whatever that might be for you in your life as well. I think that's really important. Um, I said earlier, relator's number one for me. And if I feel a bit disconnected from my friends, um, you know, as we can in life and as adults, we can drift away from our friends. I, I can feel a bit of a hole. Like I can feel I'm, I have not getting a connection. I'm not being my, my true self. I'm not, I'm not feeling aligned with who I am. Yeah. So then when I then meet up and I connect with those, those people that are important to me, I can feel a shift in who I am. I can feel back. I'm, I'm aligned with, Hey, this is me. And this is, this is what I want life to be like. So um, I've, I've found that awareness really valuable. And again, back to a limit lines to your true self. Now, another Don Clifton quote to think about highest potential, weakness fixing prevents failure, 
strengths building leads to success. Okay. Yep. So if we want to fix our weaknesses, we'll get to a certain point. Well, we won't fail. And we could have a great conversation about failing and the importance of failing and we learn from our failing. So yep. I'm not discarding that failing is, a, is an important part of life. Yep. Um, but I, I think about elite sports people, um, whether they're a swimmer, a tennis player, golf, whatever they might be, they, they sort of hone into that natural mm-hmm. talent in that sporting field and through coaching and supporting and mentoring and practice, practice they become at the top. There's that highest potential on display right there. You don't have um, Tiger Woods playing golf and basketball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, yep. he's, a, he's a golfer. So if we then know our strengths and how they can help us be our best self, our aligned with our true self, then the conscious application of those strengths to achieve our goals, overcome our challenges, helps us live our highest potential. Yep, absolutely. Perfect way to explain it. (laughs) I love it. So I guess if somebody doesn't have access to the strengths-based assessment or a coach, you know, what could they do to get a bit clearer on their strengths and start living in alignment to them? Um, I I think... One of the first things you can do is actually, first of all, pause. We don't do enough of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's pause um, from the busyness of life and pause and start to take some time out of what are those things that you find energize you? What are those things that you naturally gravitate to? What are those things that you just can't wait to do more of it come to you easily you even might feel more energized doing them than de-energized um it's those moments of brilliance those glimpses of talent which then start to identify where your strengths lie so for example communication is in my top five um to quote my grandfather when i was little I could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles. (laughs) So to find out that communications in my top five strengths was not a shock. But prior to that, you know, um, before 2012, I I didn't know that communication was my top five. But if I stopped and thought about it, talking or verbalizing wouldn't surprise me. So... For me as an individual to take time out and see that, you know, talking is something which energizes me. And what I mean by that is that I love to talk through a problem with somebody, to get to know people, to um, help them verbalize what's on their mind and talk through things, to be up the front of the classroom as, as a child. So to link back to your question, it's about taking the time out to identify what are those things that you naturally gravitate to that really inspire you that to lift you up and where are you getting to do those right now in your life and where can you do more of those so that's about identifying those talents and strengths that that are part of who you are um so for Maya, for you what would be one of those things for you um uh, probably researching learning 
it's probably I just love delving into some of the detail. Uh huh. So I just glazed over right then. <laughs> <laughs> I I I appreciate that you could very quickly identify that, and what I heard in me or felt in me, I must say, is I am not a learner. Mm-hmm. I learn through conversations. I I learn through. Um, uh, you know, being on a podcast like this with you and, and conversations with other people. But for you, you love doing this, but you also, as you're saying, when you're researching and learning, is that through books? Is it through uh, podcasts? Uh, What's that? Everything, everything. I learn from everything. So yeah, okay. even from observations in nature to through books, podcasts, yeah, music. I like, I get all the information just pours in from everywhere. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. And is that something then that's helped you um, or you you know has been part of who you are all through your life? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess more probably unconsciously when I was younger and growing up, I didn't realise it was a thing. Yeah. Um, but probably, you know, in recent times, um, yeah, it was like, well, actually that's something I'm good at. It's something I can do is get all this information coming from places, sort it all out and you know, create, I guess, um, calm from the chaos or answers to the, you know, complex questions or whatever it might be and, you know, and then uh, share that. Yeah, and, and that's a great example of, um, like you were saying, if we don't have access to that, an assessment, how do I start to identify where they are? And mm. I love that you're seeing that, that thirst for learning, that thirst for knowledge, that thirst for even understanding and seeing that in so many different aspects of your life. Mm, absolutely yeah Yeah, Yeah. great it's a perfect example (laughs) yeah (laughs) well the the other one i'd say too is ask people Mm. Um, so those people that you know and trust that are in your life that you um can have a conversation with and ask them when they see in you when you're at your best yes and what are you doing what does that look like what are some of those attributes they see in you because some people um find it hard to have that, you know, awareness about themselves. Yes. And so asking some people that you trust their opinion on um, are going to help you bring that awareness to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess a lot of people do tend to focus on the negative as opposed to their positive in their life. So it is a lot harder, you know, to bring those strengths um, up for themselves and they they struggle with that. So. Yeah, and and you're right. And I I think it's important that it's a – a process. It's not a, oh, I found out my strengths tick the box. Absolutely. Um, because um, there are so many elements to the, the spectrum of how strengths show up, the way sp- uh, strengths can be applied in different situations with different people on different tasks, um, that it's a learning process. And it's a, to be honest, it's a mindset. Um, you know, to go back full circle to what we're talking about at the start of our conversation, for me, it's certainly an approach that I've taken to life or even solidified my approach to life around um, how can I see the beauty and what's right in others as yeah. opposed to how do I make it better or how do I make them better. Mm. That's a beautiful way to look at it for sure. Mm. And, and, and just to be really clear, I don't get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my own learning journey as well, that's for sure. Hey, it's all about experimenting, I reckon. Having yeah. adventures and experimenting. <laughs> yes. 
All right, so let's shift the story a little bit and let's delve into something a bit more personal. So I understand that you had an accident um, a little while ago and broke your neck. Uh, could you share with us, I guess, your journey to recovery? Um, I'm glad you said uh, broke your neck because you could have asked me about many accidents, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we learn from those accidents. Um, we do. Uh, uh, and I'm a... A, a human bumping his life through this world. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, but let's talk about the neck. So thank you. <laughs> um, so I love mountain bike riding. Um, it's something which I really got into probably about 14, 15 years ago. And one of the, I'd say the core reasons I love it is when I'm riding uh, my bike in the, in the bush on a trail and the smell of nature is there. Yep. I picture myself in um, Dunlop volleys, tracksuit pants, and a flannel. <laughs> I'm pretty much that. Lovely it, image. Yeah, a lovely <laughs> image. But 12 years old is the thing. About 12 years old um, on a BMX bike with my friends in the bush. Like it's that joy that mm. it brings to me. Um, and that joy is, you know, links beautifully to strengths. It's those things, not just happiness, but real joy. And riding my bike in nature gives me joy. And I, I just love it. Um, I've ridden uh, in lots of parts of Australia, uh, America, New Zealand. And I'm not super fit and I'm not the best rider, but certainly it's something I love doing. And I love... Um, finding trails and exploring trails, new areas as well. Yep. So October 2018, I was on a family holiday in Lake Wanaka, which is just north of Queenstown on the South Island. And it's a beautiful part of the world. Um, uh, Queenstown is known for mountain bike riding um, and it's a busy touristy area. Lake Wanaka is a bit quieter and it was a nice spot for our family holiday. Um, so I've got three children and my wife and I and our three, three children were there. And we went out for a couple of uh, rides around the lake and along the trails there that were quite, again, connecting with nature and a bit sort of more casual. So my wife and daughter don't ride as much as we do. So it wasn't, you know, too, too fast and too hard. But beautiful moments, like beautiful memories, which I absolutely love. Um, interestingly, Lake Wanaka's got some um, snow-capped peaks in the distance, which are like a, a constant hazard. <laughs> Not because you're riding on them, but they're just so beautiful. Beautiful, <laughs> yeah. Always looking at them. I can, again, picture just riding on your trail going, look at those mountains. Oh, my God, look what's in front of me. You know, like, <laughs> it's just a magical part. It's like Lord of the Rings type country, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, we were planning to go to Wellington after our time in Lake Wanaka because uh, there's the Weta Studios there, which is um, where they do the effects and the, um, the oh, equipment yep. for the for movies, not just Lord of the Rings but lots of movies. And they're a great company. And uh, as a family, we love movies. So our plan was finish Lake Wanaka, fly to Wellington, go to that. And so the day before flying to Wellington, my son and I said, let's go out for another ride. Uh, we hired some bikes. We head out. Uh, in the forest and we're riding around and, and having a good time uh, we met up with a local kid on the trails and he was showing us around and and that's another thing about mountain biking everyone is is so friendly and helpful um, we got to the top of a hill and there's a big map in the forest like there is in lots of 
uh, mountain bike areas and there's a trail back down to the town to have a, uh, a ride back down and have a cup of coffee was our plan. And I uh, said to my son, I uh, said, let's just have one more ride back down to, uh, to the bottom. And that in itself is, uh, is a problem. And we'll come back to that because when we say one more ride, mm-hmm. it has an impact to our, our way of being. So we took off um, and interestingly, my son had a little bit of an accident. It was a cross-country trial. He sort of slid off the trail and he fell off and he was laughing. I actually took my phone out and took a photo of him on the trail. And he said, Dad, what are you taking a photo of me for? And I said, oh, we're just, you know, we're laughing and, you know. And he was fine because it's just like a slickly sort of um, spin out on his bike. He hopped back on and he took off and I took off after him. Um, I was riding and I, I pictured sometime hitting a tree. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we could uh, talk about manifesting and visualization, but I actually pictured myself hitting a tree. And um, I don't know how quickly it'll happen, but in my riding and, and, you know, taking off about 30 kilometers an hour, heading down this path, I then clipped a tree with my left handlebars, then clipped a tree with my right that threw me outside the trail and then catapulted me into a, a large tree where I hit the top of my head. And then I collapsed on the ground and I, I pictured my, um, my bones in my right arm sticking out of my arm. There was so mm. much pain. It was intense. It was on fire. And I remember with my left hand grabbing my right arm up and down the arm picturing bones sticking out of there but i actually felt my arm to see it was broken but it was broken but the pain was um amazing mm. i called out to my son who came back and i'm sort of i was like a puppy dog looking for a place to go to sleep because i was walking around in circles on the trail looking mm. for a place to sit down and i sat down and he came over to me he said are you are you joking because he thought mm. i was still joking from when he had this little accident i said oh no i'm not and I generally don't swear in front of my children. I, I was swearing. I was, I was starting to cry. I was in just so much pain down my right arm, the back of my neck. And he said, are you okay? I said, no, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. It, it's weird and, and it hurts. I, I rang my wife and said, oh, I've had an accident. Um, I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna try and ride out, but I think I'm going to throw up. And then I hang up, I hung up the phone. She's told me that was a terrible phone call to make. I've, I've got the feedback on that one. <laughs> so she, she was really worried. Yeah. My, but here's the silly thing that I did get back on the bike and I rode for about 10 minutes back down this hill very slowly. And, you know, um, after the assessment from the doctor, um, you know, and knowing that millimetres away from becoming a quadriplegic or dying, that hopping back on a bike wasn't the best idea, that's for sure, because that could have... Mm. Um, um, had a bigger impact got to the bottom and I just felt like I could not ride any further and um, I laid down the ground my wife turned up and put the bikes in the car went to a medical center had an x-ray and confirmed that I broke my c6 vertebrae when I hit that tree it just sort of compressed my my spine um, I was on some painkillers and they said look you need a, a ct um, which was in a hospital 40 minutes away and uh, my wife put me in the in the car with pillows and we drove there 
um, in a neck brace and then had the CT and they confirmed, yes, C6 is broken, but also the ligament on the front of the vertebrae has come away. So then uh, the doctor said, well, what are your plans? I said, oh, I'm flying to Wellington tomorrow. He said, no, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> no. So then was admitted into that hospital where I spent the next week um, balancing pain meds and rehabilitation in a neck brace and, uh, you know, delayed concussion and, and nausea and a whole range of other sort of symptoms and felt terrible. Um, but was settled down after about a week to then fly back to Australia uh, in the neck brace. And we'd organised to go into the local hospital near where I live. Um, the weird thing is when we got back, um, the hospital, when my wife rang them, was was arguing about, do I see the fracture clinic, the neural clinic, the spine clinic, emergency? And she's like, I'm just going to turn up with him. <laughs> you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I... Um, I was still uh, nauseous and was getting these spasms down my right arm, uh, weird muscle spasms up and down my right arm and uh, went in in the morning about seven o'clock and a week later was then throwing up in emergency and they looked at me in this neck brace and said, come on in. And a surgeon came and um, saw me and he said, uh, look, you need an MRI and um, there's a, a um, operation which I'm going to uh, uh, conduct with you and I'm just looking up the name of the operation so I don't forget again because I've actually wanted to share it if I can remember the name um, and I had this operation I had it's what's called an anterior cervical disectomy infusion okay. look that up and there's some really yucky photos mm -hmm. um, so basically I had the MRI confirmed what was wrong uh, I said to the surgeon have you conducted this operation before you know i'm lying there in bed thinking what's happening to me and he said he's done eight in the past two weeks so it's a unfortunately a too common operation where they go in and fuse your vertebrae with a titanium cage and a few screws to make sure that it's stable but happens too often with people in accidents in a range of things so was in there first thing in the morning, had the operation at nine o'clock that night, spent the night in hospital and then came out the next morning and was in a neck brace for another six weeks. Um, that traction of my neck is interesting, had a flow-on effect to my muscles um, and just uh, having to keep my head straight up. Um, and there's still some stiffness and soreness. And it's been just over a year. And in that time, I've still had you know, tightness in my right arm and in my right side, but um, I'm so thankful and full of gratitude that I can walk, I can talk using my fingers and toes because it could have been a much different result. Mm. The, the bit in the recovery, which I don't know if a lot of people know, um, and something which I experienced was from the mental and emotional side, when you your body experiences the trauma, we could call it PTSD or... Um, the way I've looked at it is a heightened fight or flight mechanism mm. um, where I didn't feel safe in my own body. I didn't feel okay. And that heightened fight or flight where I would get angry and frustrated at the simplest things, which I wouldn't previously. And um, in those, what I've discovered in these sort of cases, it's the people you love the most that you take out. Mm. So yeah. It's probably the hardest time I had with my wife um, and at times with my children because 
um, that, you know, we, we perceive social threats in our life like physical threats. Mm. And those social threats to me were, you know, I'm not listened to, I'm not respected, I'm not heard, um, or, you know, I'm not understood, or I don't feel trusted, all those, you know, typical elements. But then my reaction was magnified. Mm. Um, and then when I talked to a few people about this, it's something which who had um, people who had similarly had back injuries or neck injuries or some form of trauma um, explained they'd been through similar sorts of um, emotions and situations. At no point through the medical centre, the hospital in New Zealand, the hospital here in Australia had anyone said this is a, a, a symptom of what might happen. Mm. So something which I think needs a bigger focus on in that um, trauma process and recovery that people understand. I went to see my surgeon in a follow-up a couple of months after the operation. I said, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling a bit angry at the world. I actually feel like I've lost some joy. And he said, oh, there's a physiotherapist. And I had been seeing some physio, which had been helping, I must say. But he said, there's this physiotherapist that uses some black magic. And I went, oh, I'm into some black magic. <laughs> and to hear a surgeon say that, I said, okay, that's a bit, a bit different. But I really appreciated him saying that. And um, I went and saw this guy who was a exercise physiologist. And he just helped me feel safe again in my body through a range of physical movements and reconnecting the nerve and the muscle he did some uh, scraping on my scar on my neck where I had the surgery, which again, releasing some of that emotional, um, I guess, emotional connection to the mm. injury yep. and just some different sort of um, fluid movements and even dance to get me feeling, okay, this is my body. I am okay. I am safe. I am, um, I am comfortable. And that made a huge difference. He also shared with me some online um, video, uh, videos and research around the way we see pain and chronic pain. And that, again, helped me reset and again, making me feel I'm okay. Uh, and I guess the other part is talking to people about it. You know, what has been great in the last few years is, you know, the greater awareness around emotional and mental well-being and talking about depression and talking about how we feel and it's safe to do that. Yeah. And me knowing that the A, it's okay how I was feeling, B, talking to other people about it, being through similar, and also C, helping people that had been through um, similar situations. Mm. I'm in a mountain bike group on Facebook and a guy had an accident and the photo he shared was in the same neck brace that I had that must be a standard neck brace. <laughs> and... He, he said something like he was feeling, um, you know, sad or depressed. I can't remember his words, but I actually reached out to him personally and said, it's been the hardest part of my journey and this is what's helped me in doing some of this. And he just wrote back to me thanking me for, for then he felt okay that he wasn't feeling okay and, and that someone else understood him. Yeah. Um, and he's the guy who lives in America and, and I haven't met him. But um, again, I think, the more we talk about it and understand um, what people are going through and bring awareness to that, it's been so powerful. Yeah. Um, now, sorry, Mai, I want to go back to this idea of just one more ride. Um, yeah. And people in sport, I've, I've had a few conversations with them about this around whether it's 
skiing, surfing, mountain biking, motorbikes, you know, we could go on. Um, what my insight has been, when we say just one more ride, it's like, okay, now let's switch off all of our awareness and let's just try and get it done uh-huh. just one more time and we're not as focused yeah. and we're even rushing and we're even maybe not managing the hazards and the risks as well. And I, I think lots of things contributed to my accident and I've had plenty of, times, uh, plenty of time to reflect and learn from that. But I think that insight has been one of the biggest ones around our words are very powerful and the words we use in life and the, the words that we uh, say to ourselves and say to others and how that can change our, our mindset and then our behaviour. And that mindset of just one more ride or just one more run or just one more time can lead to that rushing and then, Mm. you know, potential consequences like that. Um, And to expand on that, I I share this with teams I work with and organisations, you know, you think about a project and which I just got to get that project done. Come on, guys, let's pull together. Yeah. Let's just get it out the door. Oh, let's just finish it. And that's when stuff goes wrong because mm-hmm. we're, we're rushing, we're not managing things properly, we're not communicating, we're not connecting, we're not, um, we're not in that flow. Mm. Yeah, so that, that's certainly a, a big lesson I've had out of that. Yeah, that's interesting. You've got my deep thinking brain just clicking over with that concept actually at the moment because you're right, like it does, it seems to sw- it what has the tendency i guess to switch off certain things for us like you say oh it's just got to get this far or just got to do this one thing this last thing so you tend to just yeah could potentially switch off and i think it's a it's a natural human trait Mm. that we would just look to do things um we're actually telling our brain to look for the quickest way to get it done. Exactly. Yeah. We're designed to solve problems. Our brains are designed to solve that problem. So if you're saying that, that's exactly right. It'll go, well, what's the quickest path or the easiest way or whatever it might be to get there. Mm. And if we, you know, think about some of the work that you and I have done in the past um, around different corporates and, and from a safety perspective, absolutely. if we say that to ourselves, to our, our teammates, or to the people we lead, we're actually saying, just get it done, don't get it done safely. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's the exact thing I was thinking of when you were sharing that story. I was like, mm. no wonder. <laughs> yeah, and I think it just brings to our awareness around um, how powerful the words we use are. Mm, absolutely. Um, and, and the stories, the framework, the the meanings that, that we put around those words. Mm. And then the impact that can have on the way we behave. So as a parent, I'm, I think I was aware to a degree about the words I use and from the people I work with um, from a coaching or a facilitation perspective, but even more so now because when you've lived and breathed it, mm. even more so. Um, and even just you know, from a recovery point of view, the words and the stories I was telling myself through that, was that helping me or... or just helping me stay in a mindset that wasn't helping me move forward as well. Yeah. Yeah. And just going back to that recovery um, story is how did your strengths play into that? 
like or were they sort of put on hold or were you challenged in some way while you're going through that recovery I love you for asking that question thank you (laughs) um it's a really good question so certainly from you know if I think about that number one strength of mine relator that was important to me so feeling like I was um connecting with people having those relationships um so that I was feeling my best uh by just connecting with those people that that um I love and love me um in my family and friends I think the other one that really showed out was futuristic which is my number two which is all about that um possible future and quite often uh, as a coach I see that in others when I'm coaching them I see what's possible for them and help them see that through supporting them and coaching them um but it really came to play for myself around what the future lies ahead for me and how I could um, work towards that and that that future vision. So doing a lot of that. Um, my number five is responsibility, which is all about taking psychological ownership for things mm. and doing what you say you do and being responsible. And to be honest, I beat myself up a bit around um, at times, I think in the process of um, how have I let others down? So mm-hmm. that responsibility was probably coming up a little bit at some times in the negative sense of challenging me about, you know, I've let people down, my family, my clients, because um, of this mm-hmm. accident. But then, okay, how can I turn that around and start to now more consciously apply it and say, well, what can I do about it and be responsible about it? But certainly I can remember that at times I was, I was good at beating myself up about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, when you talk about relator being your number one is potentially that relationship to yourself. Like you talked about how you didn't really feel safe in your own skin and you had to work through building that confidence back and getting back into yourself. Oh, thank you. I I hadn't thought of it in that way, but I no, I, I love it. I love it a lot because you're right. I had lost that connection with my physical self, mm, absolutely, that that relationship was broken mm. because, um, you know, maybe somewhere deep down at a subconscious level that I didn't trust my physical body anymore. I didn't trust something. I didn't, as we said before, didn't feel safe in it. So I had to rebuild that relationship. I had to reconnect with that. Um, so yeah, that, that's a really good point. And um, as I said, there were a number of things need to happen for that to to um, to rebuild. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It was beautiful. Lots of lessons. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I, thank you. I I I appreciate the chance to share that. And, um, and certainly uh, I'm very grateful for where I'm at now. Um, And certainly grateful for, uh, honestly grateful for the process out of the accident that I've had. Um, Mm. Still on my bike. Uh, I do ride. Um, I'll be honest, I'm probably a little bit more cautious than I was before, um, but still loving getting out in the flow of riding in nature. That's excellent. Mm. So thank you very much for being on the show, Murray. Do you have any more words of wisdom you'd like to share with us today? Um, so my one thing I'd love to just leave with a message, <clears throat> and I just have a drink of water. It's one of the symptoms of having titanium in your neck. Really? Hmm. You get thirsty. <laughs> Oh, no, the, the symptom the surgeon said to me, he said a possible um, 
complication or symptom from the surgery is when they operate on the front of the neck and move the voice boxes, I might sound like Neville Rand sometimes. Okay. So that's what happens. <laughs> um, so I honestly believe that every conversation is an opportunity to influence the culture. And what I mean by that is the culture is that environment we live in, um, whether that's at work, at home, um, in a club or an association or a group of friends. And I believe conversations are really powerful. I've loved this conversation with you today. Um, and what I share with people I work with is just bringing more awareness to those conversations they're having and how conscious are they of the conversations to help create the culture they want to have. Mm. And if you have a mindset that every one of those conversations can make a difference, well, to put it another way, every conversation is making a difference anyway. Is it making the difference you want it to have? Yeah. And so I guess my final sort of insight for people to consider is what conversations are you having more consciously to help you create that culture that you want to have? Because too often what happens is we try and have some really important conversation at a point when it's so emotional and then words come out the mouth that we didn't really want to have, we want to stick it back in our mouth. <laughs> so have those conversations or bring them to the awareness more often to create that culture you really want to have. Yeah. yeah. Conscious conversations, I like it. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. I've loved just sharing, talking about strengths um, and, and about the, the, the journey after my accident. And um, uh, thanks again for this opportunity to support people, be their true self and have... Um, that opportunity to live their highest potential. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much, Murray. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Murray shared with us some amazing insights into who we are and how we can live in alignment to our true selves by focusing on our strengths. And even if you don't have access to an assessment or a coach or anything like that, just to take that time to pause, to stop to gain some clarity around those things that you really enjoy, things that light you up, things that you are naturally good at. And you might find that those things are either close or pretty much spot on to what your strengths are. And then you need to lean into that and explore and experiment with those strengths and try to find a way to bring, bring them out and bring them into your life every day. And I absolutely love that uh, Murray took the time to share a personal story around his journey to recovery uh, from a broken neck and, you know, the mental and emotional, uh, energetic trauma that he experienced and how he had to move through those things in his life and really connect back to his true self and get comfortable back in his own body from that experience. He's absolutely right in, in what he says around when we experience trauma or we have an operation for some reason, that there isn't that next step, that next level of support, that, um, you know, that emotional, but and more importantly, that energetic level of support to help us to connect back in. We generally get pumped through our medical systems, our hospitals, we get spat out the other end and... It'd be really nice to get that holistic approach to more of our medicine uh, in Australia. 
If you would like to get in touch with Murray and find out what he does in the world, head over to sagacityrising.com forward slash AGEL015. And if you'd like to continue this conversation, come and join us over at tribe.agrivianlightandlife.com. Thank you once again for taking time out of your life to listen to the episode today. Stay groovy, my friends. My out. Mm-hmm.